Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, it is the Lombardi line as we welcome you in on a Friday conference tournaments underway, of course. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi getting situated there in Jersey. We'll get him up in just a second. And when we do, I'm assuming my man will have plenty to say about the Brooklyn Nets putting a beat down on Philly. If you see James Harden, you're going to see him on... I'm guessing a milk carton today because he was a no-show yesterday. We'll get into that as the show progresses. Got plenty to do. Steve Prohm, former NCAA coach, Iowa State. Murray State's going to join us coming up in just about 29 minutes. Wes Reynolds is going to join with some college basketball picks as well. Going to be joined by Josh Applebaum, too. And when we do get Michael, we're going to have to talk about Khalil Mack, now a Charger. I thought the price was cheap for the Chargers. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But let me get you set up as far as what's ahead today. You've got 60-plus games. Excuse me, 60 yesterday, which was crazy. Yesterday was a great day. If you didn't watch the college action yesterday, you missed out because it was a lot, a lot of fun. So let's get set up with today. Now, the two teams yesterday it's fascinating when you look at whether it's Lenardi whether you look at Jerry Palm it's fascinating who's in and who's out for example Lenardi he's got Michigan and Indiana both in and then you look at Palm both first four out so it's kind of right now it's dicey because you're waiting for some of those stealers when it comes to uh, some of these teams that could steal a bid now the A-10 today to me is fascinating. So if you take a look right now at the Atlantic 10, Davidson's going to get in. And you've got Fordham and Davidson. Fordham came back in the second half against George Mason yesterday as a dog and beat up uh, on George Mason. Davidson's laying 12 and a half. There's a reason. That's the best team in the A-10. Now, the difference is if Davidson doesn't win out, they're, they're going to get in. That's an auto bid. So somebody's going to steal a bid from the A-10. If you take a look right now, you've got UMass and Dayton. 
Dayton right now is mostly first four out if you look across the board. So they've got to keep on winning if they want to secure a ticket into the dance, into the field of 68. And VCU's in the same case. VCU, it's a good conference, the A-10. And VCU, VCU's in the same situation as they're in most first four out, and they've got Richmond on tap. They're going to see what happens in front of them. Remember, we're tipping off right now with Fordham and Davidson. You've got St. Louis, St. Bonnie. You've got UMass Dayton and then the nightcap coming up tonight with VCU. It's a VCU is a tremendous, you know what they do. They're frenetic on defense, a tremendous defensive team. And they're taking on the spiders of Richmond with VCU laying three and a half VCU and Dayton and the a 10 got to keep on winning what everybody else that includes Michigan, that includes Indiana, what everybody else would like to see is obviously Davidson to continue win the conference tournament there in the a 10, which is being played down in DC. That used to be in Brooklyn. Now the ACC, Brooklyn this year, of course, we head to D.C. for the A-10. So Davidson wins out. That's good for those that are sitting on the bubble. VCU and Dayton would like to keep on winning to keep their chances alive. Now, another one, Texas A&M. And Buzz has got this team clicking. They've won six of seven. A thriller yesterday against another bubble team in the SEC in Florida, an overtime 83-80 winner, which was awesome. There were two ridiculously good games last yesterday that went down to the wire, that being the winner from Miami with the outlet pass and the layup, and then, of course, A&M and the thriller over Florida. So here comes A&M. A&M's not in the dance but if they beat Auburn today, I think they're going to get in. You know, it's interesting. This is a team from January to mid-February that went 0-8. You generally aren't going to have a conversation about a college basketball team that went 0-8 that all of a sudden now is looking to dance like Texas A&M. But as I mentioned, they closed the season strong, winning 6 of 7. Think TCU with the two big wins at home. They closed the season strong, kind of build up that resume. And you take a look at the number there. It's a short nine. Uh, I'm going to give you the opener because I think that opened a little taller. Let me just give you that quickly. No, eight and a half up to nine. So Auburn has been bet up to nine as A&M looks to secure a bid. Again, I got them in if they beat Auburn today. Um, others would disagree with me. If you go to the Big Ten, as we take a look at some of these teams that are kind of dancing on the bubble here on the Lombardi line on a Friday, uh, 11 a.m. my time, 12, 1, 2, so coming up in a few hours, a couple hours here, uh, Iowa and Rutgers. Now, it, again, it depends on who you look at when you're talking about these two teams. Uh, Rutgers punches a ticket today with the win over Iowa. You see Iowa laying the wood. They're going to lay seven today. So Palm, Jerry Palm over at CBS has Rutgers as one of their last four in, and Lenardi's got them on a byline. So Lenardi's got Rutgers in. Here's where it becomes uncertain. Rutgers loses today. There is going to be some consternation within that program in Pikel. If they lose, all of a sudden it becomes a question. If they win, undoubtedly, Rutgers is going to punch their ticket, okay? So if you keep on looking as we head into the third round of the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, you've got a team in Michigan State that held on barely last night against Maryland. 
Izzo was pissed after the game, should have been pissed after the game, part of my language, but that was a game where you could kind of see Michigan State starting to slow down, get a little frustrated, and it's been a pesky Maryland team with Manning at chart, and they've been playing their best game, at best basketball as of late, that being the Terrapins. However, Michigan State does hold on. They do cover which is we had a guest on yesterday handed out Michigan State. I know Greg Hoops-Peterson had Michigan State on that one as well. You can check out his numbers over at vcin.com. It actually was sitting two and a half. If we can just throw that up again, it ended up closing two. Uh, in that situation, I know a lot of people were mitigating the risk and just going money line with the dollar thirty-five. If you had Michigan State, you end up closing. Maryland had a couple of chances with threes at the end there, but Michigan State does hold on. If we continue to take a look at the Big Ten, of course, you've got Penn State, who needs to win out if they're going to be dancing amongst the fields of 68. They're going to take on Purdue in the Big Ten tournament coming up later tonight. So there you have it. And as we take a look even deeper into the tournament and who's in and who's out, I mentioned, the I, again, the A-10 continues to be fascinating to me with some of the bid stealers available, Dayton, VCU in particular. If you take a look at the Big East, and we can go through the Big East today as we get Michael Lombardi ready to go. We'll get his take on Khalil Mack. Don't you worry. But if you take a look at the Big East as we head into the semis, this is a fascinating conference because if you head into the semis and you look at the final four, no bid stealers. They're already in. So if you take a look at Creighton, who beat Marquette, remember, they beat Marquette yesterday. Marquette's already in the dance. So Creighton moves on with that win yesterday against Marquette. Creighton's going to punch a ticket. They're taking on Providence, of course. Providence, the one seed, uh, league champion there in the Big East. And that number opened three-ish, and it's up to three and a half with Providence laying it. And then you take a look at UConn and Villanova. Both teams, of course, Villanova in a 66-65 win yesterday over St. John's. St. John's looking to steal a bid. They gone. And then you look at UConn, Seton Hall, who's going to get in. They beat them last night. UConn 62 to 52. UConn's a very good team right now. And then you move to today with the action. A 3:30 my time, 6:30 your time on the East. Creighton Providence tip off, and then the late one, six my time, nine your time on the East. Then the Big East, uh, a tip off between Connecticut and Villanova. I've got Villanova laying two and a half. Uh, take a look and see if we got an updated number there. Yeah, two and a half. It's sitting two and a half. That's going to be a great game. UConn-Villanova tonight is going to be a great game. You see the total set at 131.5 in the Big East. So remember, if you're taking a look at the semis and taking a look at your bracket, those teams are in. Those four from the Big East are in. You got Villanova in, Providence is in, UConn in, Seton Hall, as I mentioned, lost yesterday in. Uh, Marquette is in, and Creighton, I got in. And, of course, Xavier, who did not play well down the stretch, they gone. If you take a look at the Big Ten, as we continue just to give you an update on some of these teams that could steal a bid or sitting on the bubble, you know, it's interesting. Like I said, Michigan and Indiana is the great debate right now. If you take a look at the quad one and two wins, so just resume in general, Michigan's going to be a little above Indiana, but the win yesterday for Indiana is, again, I either first four in, last four out, doesn't, whatever way you want to look at it as far as those two in the Big Ten. Your locks in the Big Ten, Purdue, lock. Wisconsin, lock. Illinois, a big game for them today as we just discussed, lock. 
Uh, Ohio State, lock, although I don't like the way Ohio State's playing right now. Iowa, lock, and Michigan State, lock as well. We take a look at the Pac-12, look at some of these teams trying to crash the party as we take a, take a look right now. Arizona, of course, in. That's probably your second overall seed if you're taking a look at the Pac-12. They will take on Colorado tonight. Colorado, a winner yesterday. They did cover the point and a half, obviously. Oregon needed a win. Don't get it as Colorado covers. Colorado now 21-10 and 10 on the year. They should be getting in. They take on uh, two overall seed and a number two team in the country there, Arizona, tonight. And then you look at USC and UCLA. We saw them towards the end of the year, and they're going to take on one another tonight. And that comes off of UCLA beating up on Washington State. If you're on the East Coast and missed this game yesterday, I don't, I don't blame you. It was late as all get out. I was kind of trying to keep my eyes open while watching that one. UCLA looked pretty good in that one. Washington State had been playing good ball. Uh, they do cover the eight and a half, the Bruins. And then Washington late night falls to USC. Washington needed to keep on winning out if they wanted to dance. They don't dance as USC beats them 65-61 with the Huskies covering that five and a half, actually close six and a half number last night in the Pac-12. Again, and that's where we stand with the bubble teams. Hopefully that kind of sets the menu for you as we head into the menu today as far as college hoops and the basketball and the tournaments as far as the conferences. So that's that. Michael Lombardi, can he hear us? We'll find out next. Khalil Mack is a charger. This is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app. It's BetMGM. It's all your favorite wagering options. You go in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. It's the king of sportsbooks, as you know. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring your state-issued ID, and you're ready to go within minutes. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology. Fan-friendly specials every day of the week if you have a gambling problem. It's 1-800-522-4700. Okay, we got you back here. Plenty of college hoops action underway. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. You know, I mentioned a couple of teams. Michigan with the collapse yesterday, 17-point lead against Indiana. Our next guest is going to be happy to hear that. Of course, Wes Reynolds. Long shots, they've been killing it. Wes Reynolds, host here on VEASAN, joins us as we say hi. Uh, those are two teams, Wes. Michigan and Indiana, you can, they're kind of split as far as who's got them in and who's got them out. Uh, another team, and I know this is on your list, as we said, had a West, is Virginia Tech. So they beat Notre Dame yesterday, and you can give me your thoughts on Notre Dame, whether they deserve to be in. Of course, a Kentucky win helps that resume. But an 87-80 winner, Virginia Tech was a point-and-a-half favorite, so not a surprise as far as the book's concerned. But Virginia Tech continues to roll here, and they take on North Carolina today. North Carolina in the dance, Virginia Tech not it's two two and a half with North Carolina laying at West Reynolds yeah and uh, good morning Patrick good morning and, yeah I do like I do like Virginia Tech here I took a three plus a dollar plus three minus a dollar 20 if you look 
they've been on a roll. They've obviously won two games in a row, so you're worried maybe that they're going to have tired legs. But I do like Virginia Tech in the spot. They did get swept by North Carolina this year. So, you know, I don't know. In terms of beating a team three times, that's about 50% cover rate to take the team that's gotten beaten twice. So that's not why I'm taking it necessarily here. But I just think that Virginia Tech, look, the way that they're playing, and I think that they still need one more win to get into the NCAA tournament because they don't really have a lot of those what they call quad one wins. This would certainly give them one. So, uh, look, we know what Mike Young likes to do. If you remember him all those years ago at Wofford, they usually like to kind of slow the game up a little bit, turn it into a little bit of of a crawl, a little bit of a rock fight, despite the fact that the first two games in this tournament have been pretty high scoring and gone over the total. But I think that that's what they're going to want to try to do to North Carolina. North Carolina laying two and a half, knowing that they might get Duke in the rematch here for the trilogy this season. That looks a little bit low-hanging fruitish to me, so I like the Hokies. You know, you just said it. If Virginia Tech beats North Carolina today, Wes, I got them in, and there's another one, A&M and Auburn. You know, if you told, what what was it, uh, February, late February, excuse me, mid-February-ish after that 0-8 run for A&M that they'd have an opportunity. But if they beat Auburn today, I got them in. How about you? Uh, I think that they're right there on the line because, uh, look, and and I did take Texas A&M. That game's already in progress. I took them for the first half because I like to play that angle a little bit, Patrick, where you got a team that has played the day before against the quote-unquote rested team, which Auburn is. Because I often think that that rested team's a little bit rusty in the first half. Maybe not the sense of urgency where you've had a team like Texas A&M that had to play yesterday and play for their tournament lives, went to overtime against Florida, and they come out a little bit more ready to go. Now, it's very early in that game, 11-9 at the under-12 timeout, but I think that that's what you see more often than not in these kind of conference tournament scenarios. Okay, so I buried the lead with Mr. Indiana here. Taking on Illinois, obviously, right now. Illinois up 30 to 29, 215 to play in the first. Uh, your take on yesterday, because I haven't talked to you. So Indiana comes back. They were down 17. Michigan implodes, can't hit a bucket in the second half. Indiana comes back and wins. Texting with friends, was that enough to get them in? I think they had to win today. Uh, personally, but again, we'll have to see what happens with some potential bid stealers along the way. What was your thought after that game concluded Indiana? Were they in? Were they out? Where do you sit? Yeah, and what you saw that Michigan implosion, number one, Michigan missed shots, but I agree with Mike Woodson credit. Yes. They went small on that lineup, and they put Jordan Geronimo, number 22, doesn't really score a lot, but he was really, I think, the catalyst of that whole run yesterday, and that's how they were able to come back. So they're having to do that a little bit today with Illinois against Kobe Coburn because Ray Thompson already has two fouls, but... I think Indiana probably, Patrick, with that win yesterday against Michigan, that probably got them to Dayton, at least in those first Mm -hmm. four games. Unless they get absolutely blown out here, I think they're probably maybe like a two-third to one-third in the NCAA tournament. But obviously, if you can somehow knock off the number one seed here, Illinois, then you are definitely in the NCAA tournament. And how about your thoughts on Michigan? 
I think Michigan is still in. I think what really clinched it for them was that season finale at Ohio State without Hunter Dickinson. Jawan Howard, of course, still dealing with the suspension. He did come back yesterday for the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. I think that win at Ohio State really got Michigan in. Now, I think that they're probably maybe in that Dayton type of zone where they're a last four in, and you could see them in the first four game, much like at Indiana, but we'll see how Indiana finishes up today. But that was a big win, I think, for Indiana's psyche because Indiana has always been terrible in the Big Ten tournament since it really started, since Coach Knight was still on the sideline at Indiana. And maybe it's like karma because Coach Knight was one of the only two coaches to actually vote against the Big Ten tournament when they were first starting to have this deal. You know, Wes Reynolds joining us. We got Michael Lombardi. He's going to join us in the next segment here on a Friday. We've got college basketball tournaments underway. I'm obsessed with the A-10 because uh, I'm guessing most just want Davidson to win out here, right, Wes? Because you've got Dayton looming. You've got VCU looming, kind of poking on the outside of the bubble. What's your take on the A-10 overall? Yeah, right now, I think you're right, Patrick. It would probably be a one-bid league, but there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of, like, muck right there behind Davidson. You have who you mentioned, VCU, you have Dayton, you have St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, and they're going to match up here early this afternoon. I do like the Bonnies in that game. I just think St. Louis having to play yesterday on short prep against what Mark Schmidt runs. He runs a tight matchup zone, and St. Bonaventure has gotten St. Louis already twice this season. So you very easily could have two bids out of that league. It's kind of borderline. It's almost like a a one-and-a-half bid league right now, if you will. Yeah, that league's insane. Okay, next up, Purdue. Let's go ahead and jump into this one. The Big Ten. Uh, by the way, did you watch Michigan State? Izzo was, I'll use the word, pissed after the game because I don't know if they got lackadaisical. And listen, I understand Maryland had been playing their best ball kind of t- late in the year, but I wasn't overly impressed with the way Michigan closed out. Michigan State closed out last night. No, I wasn't either, and I think you've seen the uh, issues materialize that they have had all season. Michigan State has a real problem with turning over the basketball, and Maryland all of a sudden, you know, they're desperate trying to stay in the game, and they start pressing and trapping Michigan State, and look, never underestimate the ability of the opponent to make mistakes, and you saw that kind of late last night in the Washington-USC game in the Pac-12 tournament. You press these teams, and you run traps, and you don't immediately foul and panic, And this other team will turn the ball over to you. And that's what Michigan State did last night. Okay, Wes, Penn State, Purdue. Purdue opened nine. They're up to ten and a half. Where you at on this one? Yeah, I'd still lay it with Purdue. And and look, these two coaches are familiar with each other. Micah Shrewsbury, a former assistant for Matt Painter at Purdue. So, look, he knows all the playbook. And Purdue didn't get away from Penn State in the regular season meeting, only one by seven in State College. But the fact that Shrewsbury had to go like boxing one against Purdue's offense shows you that they're pretty overwhelmed. This is Penn State's third game in three days. Purdue disappointing not to win the Big Ten when they were favored to do so in the regular season. I think Purdue, if you look, they've just kind of been like, okay, really haven't blown you away over the last month or so. But I think that they're ready maybe to run somebody out, and I think that they might do it against a tired Penn State team tonight. And before we say goodbye to you, you got a couple of minutes. LSU, Arkansas, both teams, Wes Reynolds, are going to be in the dance. They met twice this year. Arkansas win January 15th. 
at LSU. And then last week, Arkansas, 77-76. Great game win down there at Arkansas. This number right now, Arkansas has been bet up to three and a half off the one opener. I think you're going to look at the first half here. Yeah, I like first half in game with LSU. I like that LSU played yesterday. I think that they're going to come out with a little bit more energy, at least early on, and considering they got swept by these guys. LSU can get to the rim on Arkansas, but they got to be able to finish because this is not an LSU team. It's a very good defensive team, but this is not a team that really shoots the three ball very well. So they got to get to the rim and get to the rim early and often on this team. Okay, before we say goodbye, any game in particular you're looking forward to um, Iowa Rutgers. You got Rutgers in, right? I do. Okay. Um, and there was one more I was going to ask you about. Oh, my gosh. M Middle Tennessee State was giving me a heart attack, heart attack last night. I don't know if you were watching that one. Quickly, Mississippi State and Tennessee. I got Tennessee seven and a half. Do you have a lean there? Mississippi State maybe in the first half. They showed some energy against South Carolina last night. Mm -hmm. There was rumors of dissension in the ranks there, but it didn't show last night against the Gamecocks. And Alabama, we can all agree, is absolutely imploding right now, correct? Yeah, they're a hit-and-miss team, Patrick. They could go to the Final Four. They can beat them now. Okay, Wes, thank you. Lifesaver Wes Reynolds, we appreciate you. Long shots, of course, Wes Reynolds, VSIN host. You can check him out in Point Spread Weekly as well. Steve Prohm, former Murray State, Iowa State head coach, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. But we'll get Michael's take on Khalil Mack to the Chargers next here at Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, you got Selection Sunday coming up. Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VSIN's full court bracket betting coverage starting this Sunday. Six hours of free live video streaming. VSIN.com. Check it out, including the full bracket reveal and opening lines for every game. The VSIN college hoops experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They're all going to be there analyzing every game and discuss with the bookmakers, making the lines to find the best early value. Don't wait for the lines to move. Start your bracket in round one of the tournament betting at VSIN College Hoops. Of course, VSIN.com, like I said, six hours of free coverage there. Make sure you check it out. You got everybody. It's free at VSIN.com. Hope you're doing well on a Friday as we say. Good morning, good afternoon. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I think we got him squared away as we say hi to Michael. Hi, Michael. Good morning, Patrick. Good afternoon, Patrick. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. How are things? Things are great. Thank you. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. I appreciate you uh, filling in for me. I, uh, we were, It's a little technical issues, but we're squared away now, I think, hopefully. Absolutely. Some technical issues in Philly last night, my man. Oh, my. Because. Um, my. It was over before it started, Patrick. Uh, look. Harden in a big spot has always been dubious. I don't even know. I'll look for him on a milk carton. Last night, look, Kyrie and Kevin Durant had a different energy about him, and that yeah. was just apparent from the start. And the third best player on the court was Seth Curry, and he's a net. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, I don't know. I, I, was, I was curious to get your take on this. A 129-100 winner, obviously the Nets cover the four, c c getting it, and it stays under the posted total of 236. 
You know, I think it's the best thing that happened for Philly because it's been all roses. You know, everything, they're going to the tournament, they're going to win everything, and I think they needed to hit a stumbling block. And the intensity that the Nets played with, especially at the defensive end, stopping Harden's mm -hmm. dribble penetration. I mean, he was crying for fouls, wasn't going to get them. You know, Embiid was crying for fouls, wasn't going to get it. Their defensive energy on the other end, I mean, I didn't think, I mean, it was, it was a game where I didn't think that the Nets were going to miss. I mean, it was the ball wasn't even touching the net. It was going in so purely. So they got their butts kicked. I think they have to go back and recognize it and figure out how to play better defensively and then also how to handle the way teams are going to force them to play defensively. I think you, you saw an example of, of the Nets knowing Philly. They know Harden. They knew what he wanted to do. They took that away, and Philly didn't really have an answer or a counter. So I, I think that's going to be it. I think it's the best thing. I think we have a rivalry. I think you could clearly see yeah. this was more about Durant and Kyrie being mad at Harden than it was them going to support Simmons. I, I think Simmons was just a spectator in a drive-by shooting. This clearly was about, you know, we're going to show our dominance. And now, you know, I was watching the game and I thought, now I know why the book won't move the odds on the Nets because they, the, they are the best team when they play like that. Yeah, and you said it well. The defense from the Nets, which had been terrible, was awesome last night. So that's just upping the intensity. And while a 3 of 17 showing from Harden, maybe a Kevin Durant appreciation moment here, whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants to do, whether it's a pull-up, whether it's getting to the rack, uh, he is just offensively right now on another level. And he was, I mean, he played 32 minutes. He had 25 points. He could have gotten 40 if he wanted. He didn't play in the second. 60. He didn't play in the fourth. 60. He could have got 60. I mean, there was no doubt. You know, you want to say Embiid's the MVP. There was no doubt who the best player yeah. on the court is. It was Durant by far, head and shoulders above it. Agreed. And, and, and he was sensational. He played with a chip on his shoulder. He played like it was a playoff game. And unless Philly can take their game up another level, uh, they're going to be disappointed. And I thought they sent a message to the East. You don't want to play them in the first round. You don't want to play them. And, and clearly they said it last year, and I think they'll say it again this year. They don't really care about home court. They'll beat you anywhere they want to beat you. And the Nets, they've had, what, 35 to 38 different lineups this year. So they're just starting to now get comfortable. If Simmons comes back and gives them anything defensively, who cares offense? Like you saw what Ky Kyrie was making some – Kyrie was taking some ill-advised three-pointers and making them. Like – they were just in such a different they, you, you said rivalry. Miss. You said rivalry, and they, I think that's the perfect way. I think they were into that rivalry yesterday. They really are. They're into it. They want to show that they can win without him. And he didn't show. I mean, he's three for 17. He didn't get to the line. He wasn't being able to get penetration. They knew where he was going to go. And, and of course, the other players around them, you know, couldn't really help. I mean, Maxi played, I think, his worst game that I've seen him play mm -hmm. all season. He never got in rhythm. And then defensively, they never they, – they can't play – they haven't been able to play well in transition defense, nor have they been able to control the, the, the boards. I mean, they don't control the glass. And the, the energy level that the Nets played with was way different than Philadelphia. And, you know, Doc's got to look at himself, and he's got to look at his team, and he's got to go back to the drawing board because the pressure now is on Doc. It's not on Embiid. It's not on Harden. When you have two mega stars with max contracts along with, with Tobias Harris and a promising young rookie, people are going to start looking at you for the answers. Can't rely on Thibel to give you any offense. That None. continued. If Maxi, who we had been lauding, was not good last night, he, listen, he's been so consistently good, you're okay with that. Um, you know, 
I thought the Durant going at Embiid thing was concerted on his part to make a statement. You know, it, yeah, no, the, Durant gets off on that, and I just thought he was doing that to make a statement, like you said, set up this rivalry moving forward. Yeah, I think as us as a betting and betting network, I think we have to take what we saw from the Nets last night and say, okay, I get it now. You know, they're really good. And when they come together, you know, and they, they put it all together, you know, they may have some other issues. But Philly didn't match their intensity. When this team plays with that intensity and, and Kyrie's into it like he was last night, I mean, you know, they couldn't even expose Kerry on the defensive end. They did such a good job of covering him up. And Drummond gave him, you know, the first quarter of good minutes, and then he was going to foul out. But, uh, <laughs> look, I, I think Philly's got to lick their wounds, go home. It's one game. You know, it's disappointing, but I think they needed it. I think they need a touch with reality, Patrick. Yeah, I'm looking at a book, the same book we looked at yesterday. I mean, number hasn't moved. 76 are still your favorite at plus 260 to come out of the East. The Nets, 3-1. to one. Uh, I thought the name you just mentioned, he had five steals in the game as well. I thought Seth Curry was active and into it. He was impressive for the Nets last night. Yeah, and, and Philly turned the ball over 19, 18 times. I mean, they, they, were, they were sloppy. They were sloppy the whole night. You know, they didn't shoot well, which we know they have moments where they don't shoot well. Not only did they not shoot well, they turned the ball over. And then they gave and they gave and the other team shot lights out. I was waiting for them to cool off. I thought we would get a second quarter where we would see some sense of, you know, this 70% shooting is, well, we got it in the fourth quarter and they and they they settled on about a 57% shooting night. But for me, I, I think it was clear that they uh, we're the better team. And, you know, at three to one, I think they're good odds. I think they really are. Now, we got to temper it a little bit. It's one game. And you've got to see what the injuries, because we know if they lose either Irving or if they lose, uh, lose Durant, which, you know, we see that they have a hard time staying healthy. It's going to affect it. What was the take? Uh, and then we'll move on. What was the take? By the way, a good matchup tonight in the East, the Cavs at the Heat. The Heat sit atop the East. What was the take on uh, Simmons there around Philly? He had a sweet neon Gucci sweater on. I know that. Yeah, I mean, he dressed well, had a lot of change. I mean, obviously spending <laughs> the $35 million a year well. Uh, his, I'd like to be his jeweler, uh, you know. But uh, I, I think it was indifference. I think they booed him. And I, don't, I think he was kind of a spectator. I, 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 did not, I don't buy the narrative they played for him. I buy the narrative that the Nets have, have great players that wanted to show they're greater than the other team's players. That's I what agree. I buy. I agree. Yeah, the, the quote was they were playing for Ben. Ben just got there 10 nah. minutes ago. <laughs> okay. Nah. They're, they're, Nobody playing for Ben. They're, they're more used to James Harden. They haven't even seen Ben. How could they be playing for Ben? He hasn't even been on the court. He's got back problems. I mean, I got back problems too, but at least I come to work. <laughs> yeah, but he's not there. That's for sure. All right. Um, we're going to get Steve Prohm. I want to save at the top, Michael, coming up in about 22 minutes. I want to get your take on Khalil Mack. I didn't want to waste it here. So let's let's save your take on the NFL. We've got former college basketball coach Steve Prohm coming up in two minutes. Was there anything else yesterday? Uh, were you able to catch any college hoops? Anything that stood out I love out the college games. How about, oh, did you watch the end of the Miami-BC game? I did. It was incredible. Uh, was that great or what? How about the end of the A&M game, the overtime game? That was fabulous to watch. And yep. Yeah, over Florida. Now they're up to, uh, by eight against a against Auburn. Can that stay? I don't know. Auburn's probably doesn't have anything to play for. I think they feel like they're pretty good shape. But A&M has bounced back. I mean, Buzz has done an incredible job of being able to, to get his team to be resilient. I thought the Miami game was fun. I mean, BC was playing lights out. And, 
you know, and, and it looked like a definite loss for the, the Hurricanes turned into a, a breakout uh, a layup that with, with no time left on the clock. It was, it was just, I mean, all the games are fun to watch. They really are. Yeah, I get, A&M, if they beat Auburn, they're up 10 right now, as Michael just mentioned, 454 to play in the first, 25-15. If A&M wins today, I think they get in, which is miraculous, which is absolutely miraculous after that 0-8 stretch. I mean, I mean, they have, I think they've got 22 wins, don't they? I think they have that, you know, so they they have been, I mean, they started the season really well and they had that streak where they didn't play well and now they've bounced back and it looks like they're coming together as a team and, and they're playing their best basketball uh, that they've played all year. And you've got to give Buzz credit. They've been able to endure that. Yep. Indiana in Illinois, Illinois up 33-31 at the half. So that's at the break. And you and I were discussing Indiana and Michigan yesterday. Whether they're in, whether they're out, who knows? Indiana can secure a spot in the dance if they beat Illinois today. More college hoops next. Lombardi Line, Steve Prohm joins us. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's BetMGM, official gaming partner of MLS Major League Soccer, has a special offer for soccer fans. Just sign up with the code VSEN200, and if your first wager, it's 10 bucks on the money line. Any MLS game, you're going to receive $200 if either team scores a goal. So again, MLS, 10 bucks money line if they score a goal. Use the bonus code VEASAN200. You're going to win $200 paid for in free bets. It's a new customer offer. And again, you can order, you can get the redeemable points over at BetMGM, kind of like a credit card for MGM Resorts nationwide and also online bonuses. So again, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. That bonus code over at BetMGM is VEASAN200. Steve Prohm is going to join us now. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. We'll get Michael's take on Khalil Mack in just a couple of minutes. We continue with the college hoops. Steve Prohm did a great job at Murray State. He won the Big 12 Conference Tourney a couple times at Iowa State, and he joins us now. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Appreciate you having me on today. Doing great as well. You can check out Coach's Thank podcast you, Coach. for the Field of 68 Network as well. Why don't we start there with, with the Big 12 TCU and Kansas. So TCU, I got them in their last three wins, Texas Tech, Kansas, and Texas, which is pretty damn uh, impressive, Coach. Uh, Kansas, <laughs> Kansas is laying eight and a half. What do you got on this matchup with TCU and Kansas today? Well, it's going to be a great game. Obviously, uh, being familiar with that environment there, Kansas will have the home court advantage just because it's so close to Lawrence and the way those fans travel and support Kansas. But the great thing for TCU is they're very familiar with Kansas. Uh, they've played them twice in the last two weeks, you know, back-to-back games the last week of the regular season, uh, and split with them, played really well, uh, not only in Fort Worth, but pushed them all the way to the brink in, in Allen Fieldhouse. And so if you're TCU, especially after the second half, uh, yesterday against Texas, you've got to be really confident. Yeah, and and as we go through the Big 12, Coach, and we appreciate you being here, you know, Oklahoma with a great win, great win against mm-hmm. Baylor, but now here come the Red Raiders from Lubbock. I mean, what what has Oklahoma done recently to kind of turn their year around, and what do you see in that game when they play Texas Tech? Well, they've won their last couple, whether it's three or four in a row. Uh, I saw this morning kind of reading up on Oklahoma, and, and Porter's a fantastic coach. And obviously, they lost Harkless a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, but that was a big win. You know, you, you see some teams trending down or having some tough losses this time of year. That game was a, we kind of can rejuvenate uh, Oklahoma to where, hey, we're, we're, we're right there on the bubble. You know, we've got an opportunity with this Baylor win going to resonate. We've had some great wins during the regular season. And now we got a chance to knock off Texas Tech, a top 10, 15 team that's been there all year. If we can do that, then our, then our chances are really good. And, you know, I was thinking about it last night. You know, Porter's used to, you know, you're coming from Loyola, Chicago. He's used to, hey, i got to win three games in three days. And so uh, that's their mentality. But if they can win tonight against Texas Tech, I think that may put them on the right side of the bubble when you look at how some other teams have fared the last couple of days. Coach, you know what it's like to win these conference tournaments, of course, did it twice with Iowa State in the Big 12. Question for you about Baylor. Michael just mentioned Baylor, the loss last night to Oklahoma. That's a team I'm assuming you think could cut down the nets like they did last year. Is getting bounced, is that a negative, or is there a little bit of a rest advantage for a team in Baylor that's been banged up? You know, I think anybody that's competitive, you're going there. You have an opportunity to win championships. You really have three times to win championships during the season, uh, or, you know, maybe four if you count the preseason tournaments. But a regular season championship, you know, a preseason tournament, uh, the conference tournament, and obviously playing for a national championship. And so uh, if you do get knocked out early and you know you have a chance to make a deep run, then obviously there is some advantages to where Baylor – has done a phenomenal job fighting through adversity, fighting through injuries, um, you know, playing with limited rotations and playing guys out of position, uh, you know, a lot this year where they played small, they played five guards, they played four guards, one big. Uh, Baylor's going to be a team to be reckoned with when you come to the NCAA tournament for sure. They've had a phenomenal year, and really their last three-year run has been incredible. To Coach, do you think Baylor, you know, I noticed they play seven guys. Can, can you go through a tournament – and play that, that tight of a rotation and really end up at, at, in the final four teams or even get to the Elite Eight? Can you do that, or is it just too much wear and tear on the players? I think you can. I think you got to manage your team the right way. you got to manage bodies. But I think when you look at a lot of these teams, I mean, the, the core guys that are playing the major minutes you know, are five, six, seven guys. Now, you really have to feel comfortable with eight and nine. That when needed, they can step up. When you're in foul trouble, they can step up. Uh, when you when you have guys that need to be rested, they can step up. But you know, I remember the first championship we won uh, in 2017, uh, the semifinal game and the final game. You know, kind of our six, seven, eight, nine. You know, guys, guys like Donovan Jackson, Nick Weiler, Bad, guys that came off the bench that year. They were phenomenal for us. And they did a terrific job and really helped us, you know, reach our goal. And that was to win a championship that weekend. Coach, the question remains, and Michael's been having fun with this Gonzaga team out of the WCC. Of course, win the league, win the conference tournament. Is this Gonzaga team better than last year's squad? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I just look at Mark Few's longevity, and he's always been in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's just an incredible, incredible feat. And the longevity of sustaining success is incredible. Uh, last year's team was phenomenal. And obviously to get to a Final Four, uh, to play for a national championship uh, against a really, really good Baylor team, you know, is an incredible run. But, you know, I do like this team. I do think they have a chance to get to New Orleans. But last year's team, man, you know, they had a lot of really, really good pieces. 
Uh, I think this team's a little bit different, but they've got Drew Timmy back, you know, and they got Nemhard, and they've added some great pieces that have been really good for them. And so I still like Gonzaga to have an opportunity to get to New Orleans. Hey, Coach, do you think from your time at Murray State, do you think that, that the level of comp like with Gonzaga, my concern about Gonzaga is they're not always battle-tested to me to the point where they got to do it all the time. There's some too many easy games alone, and I know no game's easy. I get that. But do, do you think from Murray State, did you feel like your players responded to the level of comp, especially in tight games? Was it, was it a challenge for you as a coach? No, I think just those guys, that's why I think why Murray's been good for years is those guys that are there, they play with an edge and they play with a chip on their shoulder. And not only has Murray been good in conference, they've been great out of conference. If you go back and look at, you know, teams that they beat out of conference throughout the, you know, longevity of that program of recent date, you know, they've won games in the NCAA tournament. Their last three point guards played in the NBA. And so I don't think so. I think – you know, Gonzaga, you know, there's several teams in that league that are very, very good. It's always hard, like you said, to win on the road. It's never easy. But those guys are battle-tested, and they'll be ready. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's an issue for those teams like that. Uh, they've had moments, I, I was telling Coach McMahon, you know, they've won some close games on the road the last couple weeks. But I told them that was great. I thought that was great. It was great for him. It was great for his team to be in that situation. So when they get to March, because they have an opportunity to advance, they're ready for that moment. And Coach knows Murray State well. He won two league titles with Murray State, two-time Ohio Valley Coach of the Year, and, of course, uh, won the 12 tournament championship there in the Ohio Valley. Okay, I just have a minute and a half. Coach, I want to ask you quickly about a, t- a game that we're going to be focusing on. LSU-Arkansas. Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. How would you handicap LSU-Arkansas today? It's going to be a phenomenal game. They just played really, really a tough competitive game in Arkansas a week or so ago. I think LSU, because of their talent level and their ability, you know, they're my sneaky pick to maybe have an opportunity to win that tournament. Uh, they're very good. Uh, they've got a lot of really good pieces. I like that team. But the hottest team in that league, Eric Musselman, the way he's closed the season uh, has been phenomenal. So it's going to be a heck of a game. But if I'm picking, I'm still going to go with the Razorbacks. Okay, check out the podcast for the Field of 68 Network. That is Coach Steve Prohm. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate you. Thanks, Coach. Really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. thanks, guys. Appreciate okay. you having me on. Yeah, thank you, Coach. How about this? Just 47 years old, Michael. He was, I, I mentioned he won the league a couple of times in the Ohio Valley with Murray State. He then went on to Iowa State. And uh, he won a couple of Big, Big 12 conference tournaments there. So uh, a guy that's got yeah, a pretty damn no good resume at 47 years old, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think he's right about LSU. This is, to me, going to be a really tough game for, as you know, I'm an Arkansas fan, but I think this is a tough game. And without Bud Walton to mm-hmm. help them along, uh, you know, I, I'm worried about this one. I, I'm worried about it because I think LSU is that talented. So I'll get you the number quickly. That's a lot of points, Patrick. Three and a half? Wow. It's a, yeah, it, was ju- it had jumped Arkansas up to three and a half. We've now come back to three. I don't know if they heard Coach talking about LSU. I, uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a one-point game. I think it's going to be a nail-biter, and I think LSU is so talented. I mean, every coach I talk to in the Southeast, they, you know, don't, Tennessee and, and uh, LSU don't dismiss them tough to beat a team three times in a season. That's what Arkansas is trying to do against LSU. Okay, we continue. Good job out of Coach Prohm. We continue. Khalil Mack is a charger. Get Michael Lombardi's take on that next here in Lombardi Line. It's the Sports Betting Network. 